I see new life. I see new tides. Carry on through the years. Transform through the tears. Hello. And welcome to Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. I am Bridget Flaherty. And I am Kiana Daniels. And today we are chatting with and chatting about Krista Smith. My name is Krista Smith. Um, A little bit about me is, first off, I'm a child of God, a daughter, a sister and aunt, a mom of Kevin. I'm a widow of Scott. I'm an empathetic friend, a lover of life. And most importantly, storyteller and self-healer. I knew Krista as a mom of a kid that went to my son's school. We we're kind of in the same circles. But I really got connected to and had our first like deep conversation with Krista when I was on a panel conversation for women. And I shared my own journey with depression and suicide. And in sharing that story... She stayed afterwards, after the panel, the conversation was over, and basically shared the story about her husband. And in doing that, we really connected. Each of us had questions for the other. Her questions were more along the why, and my questions were about the impact. And so that led us to a friendship and a connection. In this interview... We talked about how quickly after her husband died, she got remarried very quickly and focused her life externally. So focused on her new marriage and focused on her son and focused on her job because that was the safest thing to do at that time. After my husband passed away, I couldn't stand to be home alone. I couldn't stand to not be busy. So I don't know that I actually knew what healing meant until the last probably three, four years. I was in, you know, obviously married. My husband died by suicide. And I quickly went into another relationship because I wanted to feel loved and not feel the pain. And then that relationship ended. And I took some time to myself doing more things that I enjoyed, working out, yoga, still working as a full-time mom trying to spend as much time as I could with Kevin. And then I got into another relationship, which has been the best thing. This person's offered a lot of support in my healing journey. And it wasn't until then when I met him that I ended a friendship. So I truly feel like I had three big losses in my life. And it wasn't until after the third one that I needed to feel and embrace all the pain that I had been avoiding for many years. So that's recently I say in the last six years, but the pandemic really triggered a lot. The day the world closed and businesses were struggling and small businesses, women-owned businesses, couldn't stay open, it triggered a lot of my husband because he lost his business in 2008, which ultimately, because of the struggles he was going through with addiction, he couldn't handle the thought of losing his own business and providing for his family. That triggered me to feel everything that we had gone through. So I took the last year to embrace every ounce of pain, every trigger, and learn that these things that happened in my life were things that I felt like I couldn't control when I was a child. 
an example being my dad being alcoholic and abusive to my mother. So I became a caretaker and felt like I had to make everything right in everybody's lives except my own. So I think despite the fact that we were in a pandemic and a lot of lives were lost, I think it's been a healing year for me and as I've been calling it, COVID courage to make a lot of changes in my life. When your husband dies at 40 years old, you realize life is really too short to worry about things and not do what truly makes you happy, even if that means losing a partner, a spouse, or a friend. In therapy, she found that she has some trauma around abandonment. Realizing that the triggers I was feeling was being abandoned and my husband didn't intentionally abandon me. I could go on another conversation about why he did what he did. But my partner leaving and my friendship, it triggered me to feel abandoned like I did when I was a child with certain situations with my dad and my mom. And although they weren't doing that intentionally, it just triggered me to feel that way. So I've had to spend the last year going back at 49 years old to when I was a five, six, seven-year-old and looking back at her and telling her that it's okay, everything will be okay, and just feel it, embrace it, let it go. I think that's really common, where we experience trauma in our lives, and we're just not at the place or have the capacity to deal with it then, and so we focus externally, and we postpone the grief, and we postpone the work until we're in a place that feels safe and we feel ready to start the work. Yeah, I can definitely attest to that, putting the grief processing on hold. I definitely did that when my grandmother passed. What I did was I threw myself into work and I worked a lot and I had a very active social life. I was constantly busy, so lots of distractions. I wasn't dealing with it at all. And there would be moments, I think, in the shower at the time, one of my friends was staying with me. I didn't want to process it with anybody. I don't think I knew how because I was still trying to understand it because it felt surreal. So, like, I understand that processing grief, you're not always ready for it, but it's a very necessary thing to do. But if we don't check it, if we don't pay attention at some point on that journey of postponing the grief processing, it can, like, go on for so many years. But I think that's why it's so great to have people around us who can acknowledge certain things and can be like, well, this really traumatic thing happened. Sure, you're okay. Like, you've not talked about it one time. Like, let's talk about it. You want to talk about it? So I can understand how you can fall into that mode of just putting it off because you're just not ready. When did she get ready to process? She said that after that marriage ended, she started to spend more time with herself and look at what she wanted. She's actually really in the middle of some big changes in her life right now. So she's actually selling her 4,000-square-foot home and moving into a 1,200-square-foot apartment, downsizing her life so that she can work less and live more. Well, I work at a law firm, and during the pandemic, they alternated staff who could not do the job from home just alternating our days going into work, which was very nice. I've never been a part-time employee or stay-at-home mom. So I had a lot of time in a 4,000-square-foot house with my son, realizing that I don't want this anymore. I was in this home with someone I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with. I was going to adopt my son. And I just realized I don't want it. I didn't grow up 
having the things that I have now. I only have them because my husband took his life and I've had a lot of guilt. So I decided I'm going to sell my house. Always had the plan to do it when Kevin was a senior. But all of a sudden, I was like, I don't want this anymore. I never had what was Krista's. It was always my marriage or my partner. And I feel like I'm going a little bit backward in life because I'm no longer going to be a homeowner. I'm going to live in a 1,400-square-foot apartment, which is a lot bigger than I grew up in. But it's mine. It's my own little space. And I couldn't be more excited. Scared, excited, nervous, all of it. But I finally feel like I know where my life is going. And like you can feel it. You can taste it. And you just cannot wait to get there. And being patient is hard. I think society rewards us diving into work, getting a bigger house, going the opposite, which is what she's doing, downsizing, working less, is seen as like moving backward. When in the truth is, she's choosing herself. Well, yeah, that's absolutely right. Because our society is very selfish. It's very self-centered. It's all based around materials and things like that. And so like true healing requires us to really go within ourselves and not focus on the external things that make us feel good, but actually feeling good from the inside out. And so it is very difficult to be able to get to that point of choosing yourself because we're not supported in that, like on a mainstream kind of platform. It's about putting band-aids on things. It's so many distractions out there, right, that just keep calling our name. It perpetuates us not healing because now we have, oh, this shiny thing over here. And so I'm so glad to hear that Krista, though, was able to quiet the noise and the distractions so that she could, like, really hear her own inner voice to say, hey, I need this. You need this. We don't need this other stuff. Focus on Krista now. One of the things she shared was about how she had a best friend who is no longer a best friend. And she's grieving the loss of that relationship. Well, it happened by her husband's brother asking me out. And I, of course, told them as soon as it happened. And everything seemed fine. But I could tell she wasn't comfortable. And she told me, she's like, it's changing our friendship. I feel like things aren't the same. And going into the relationship, or even before I said yes to dinner. I said, you know, I'm like best friends with your brother's wife. He didn't realize how close we were. He didn't even know that my husband had passed by suicide. He didn't know my life. We had just met years ago. And he's like, I honor that. I would never try to change your friendship. And not once did he. But I couldn't make her believe that it didn't change and that I still cared about them. And what's hard about that is Later, she used my insecurities to tell me why we wouldn't be a good fit. She just wasn't supportive, and I understand that. I didn't change how I felt about them, but I felt truly I needed to do what was good for me and my son. It's been hard because you're right. Looking back, I'm like, maybe it wasn't as good of a friendship as I thought. I was going through so much pain and loss that we spent so much time with them that I didn't, I, I would never say she mistreated me, but if there were things that really weren't a true good friend, I didn't see it. But I also, I wasn't seeing a lot of things because I was avoiding the pain and avoiding anything that caused me and my son hurt. And spending time with them made us feel like we were loved and we had a family. I don't begrudge her. I'm not mad. I think it needed to happen as much pain as it's been. And I think people think, well, it's a friendship. People lose friendships all the time. But I truly feel like that it was one that 
could have been so much better with us all together. The grief of that, that in this process of healing, she has met a lot of really supportive people. But then there are also some people that don't accept the new version, the version of her that she's growing into, and how difficult that can be. That in this process of healing, she has met a lot of really supportive people. But then there are also some people that don't accept the new version, the version of her that she's growing into, and how difficult that can be. One of the things she shared was about getting uncomfortable. So doing things for herself that might not be the most comfortable thing. One of the examples she gave was going to group exercise classes and being seen. Recently, I've gotten into group classes, which I don't really like working out in front of people. And I've kind of embraced my body and being older by doing a sort class at Space 3, which is another interesting story because I've had to embrace being uncomfortable in that situation because the friendship that I lost is part of this new boutique gym. I feel like I've grown from that. And back to the sort class, when you're insecure and you feel like you're not enough, and then you can go in there and just let it all out. Nobody's judging you. doesn't matter your size. It doesn't matter your color. You know, nothing matters other than just dancing and just walking out feeling better than you ever have. What is a swart class? I, I know. That sounds weird. Swork represents sweat, work, and twerk. And my son is mortified when I show him how to do it. It's like a hip-hop, like a Zumba class, but a little more twerking involved. It's so fun. It's a lot of fun. You get in there with other women and I've made good friends, some of whom are going through things that I've gone through by my writing. Many people have reached out either with comments on Facebook or in private to let me know they've gone through things and they're also on a healing journey. I found people who don't make me feel alone, who don't shame me for what I've gone through and the choices that I've made and, and, and shame me for my insecurities. I think when you share everything with your best friend and then they come back and use it against you later. You're guarded. You're afraid to open up. I feel safe with the people that I've met and, you know, that have come into my life. They also are stepping outside of their comfort zone and rewarding one another. And I love that. I love the benefits that come out of that being uncomfortable in a way that I am stepping into myself. I'm doing what I want to create for myself. It is an uncomfortable journey, but to be comfortable is like we're not growing. We're not evolving. We're not transforming. We're not becoming who we're supposed to be. So I think that's great. And it's just like part of like why we have this podcast is to shine light on the similarities between women of all walks of life in the midst of our trauma. And so that's what it sounds like, you know, Krista found in putting herself out there and being uncomfortable. She found a community of women who are also there and those similarities brought them together to be able to support each other through their journeys. That's the beautiful part about it. And we talk about sharing all the time, right? Because sharing really is healing when we don't have to do this stuff on our own. One of the powerful things that Krista is doing with her healing journey is she is sharing it on Facebook. So she shares a lot about her husband's death the impact that had on her, how it continues to show up in her life today. She has shared about her childhood as she is going through it, right? So as she is realizing the things about herself and she's having these things come up, she's sharing them on Facebook, which 
people have shared with her has literally saved lives by saying this was the impact that my husband dying by suicide had on me and my son has helped others who maybe are questioning their value and worth examine themselves and people have reached out to her to thank her for her words and on the flip side of that there are people close to her that are saying why are you sharing this stuff like this is not stuff you put on Facebook can you share with us a little bit more about maybe some of the relationships the connections that have come out of of being open with what you've experienced One that sticks in my mind a lot was maybe a year or so after my relationship ended, I became really good friends with another single mother. We went on vacation to Puerto Rico, and we literally almost came back not being friends because our boys fought like brothers. It was the craziest thing ever, which now asking them, it was the best vacation that they'd ever gone on. But we met a couple, and I could tell they were probably trying to save their marriage. They were there without their boys. She and I connected, became friends on Facebook. And one day she sent me a message, I believe it was on Instagram, and said, I just want you to know that you saved my life, that I wanted to take my life. And that when I read what you write about you and your journey with your boys, that I didn't give up. And when you can't save your husband's life, I feel like all I want to do is help others not take their own. I felt like writing it was therapeutic. I've always written in journals, and sometimes it's like, that's hard to write all that out. I can type faster. And once I started sharing, people would reach out and they're like, you're not alone, or I've gone through this as well. And I felt like I was helping, and I felt like a sense of purpose by sharing my story. It was never my intent for people to feel sorry for me because a lot of people go through this. And, you know, on the other side of it, that's how I met you. And if I wouldn't have shared and you wouldn't have shared, we wouldn't be here today. So don't ever be ashamed of your story. And of course, here we are, right, on a podcast talking about these things. So of course, I'm a fan of sharing because those types of things remaining in darkness is so harmful and isolating that it's deadly. And so I think it's so incredibly brave of her to continue to share that, to share all these years later, it's been over 10 years, continuing to unearth the impact on her and sharing it so that people don't feel alone. Well, and two, I think it is completely and extremely brave of her to be able to do that on such a public platform. But that doesn't surprise me because like, you know, I think for us, even on our journeys, right, like it's almost inevitable for us not to share while we're on this healing journey, because that is a part of the healing is sharing, releasing and letting go and not trying to appear perfect and unfazed by life's hardships and challenges. I think that is inevitable for us not to. And we fight it. I think we fight it until we can't because it's going to come out like regardless. So it's just like get ready because at some point this has to be shared because it's bigger than us. It's not about us. It's not just about us. And I think that makes it scary to share before we sat down to have this conversation. I shared that I wasn't sure how much of my own story to share, even though my story is very closely related to Krista's story. And I still have some fears around what if I tell everyone that I almost became 
I almost also died by suicide. And that going to treatment saved my life. To say that out loud and to admit that brings up a whole lot of fear because are people going to judge me? Are people going to think less of me because I experienced that? But the truth is, and what you're saying is that it has to come out. I mean, part of this healing journey is is standing in the truth of who we are. And that includes what we've experienced and been through. And am I the same person that I was when I walked into those doors of treatment? Absolutely not. I am a more complete version of myself today. And that part of me still exists inside of me as well. So, you know, I it's why we're here is to have these conversations and to normalize these types of conversations. And Krista getting on Facebook and sharing her truth out loud is what we need. We need more people willing to say, this is what I've experienced. And this is why it's hard. We are saving each other's lives when we share. I believe that because Somebody listen to this podcast will hear both Chris's story and some of your story and know that you guys experienced the thought or an impact of like suicide and will be like, wow, because we oftentimes put people on pedestals. We oftentimes think that people are perfect and they can't make these mistakes or don't have these hardships. But then when they hear the story, they can be like, wow, you know, a person like them that looks like that, that has this kind of profession or whatever the case may be, they too struggle with certain things. And it, again, it continues to normalize it for people and to make them feel less isolated and more in community. And that's why it's just as hard as it is. Because I know I suffered in silence for a long time. I was not very comfortable sharing my own mistakes with people because I felt like I had to be perfect. And that was nothing that anybody put on me, but I put it on myself based on the way that my family and friends would talk about me, right? And so when normal shit in life would happen, mistakes would be made or I would just, as human as I am, would make poor decisions like we do all the damn time. I would feel ashamed. I would put all this pressure on myself because it was like, dang, I can't tell them that. I can't tell them this because they think it may be like this and all of that. And so it's just like when we share, man, and overcome that suffering and silence part because that is like one of the darkest places to be I don't ever want to go back to that which is why I think I live my life so vulnerably and transparently now because I tell people all the time I don't ever want those shackles on me again that shit that is uncomfortable we may be called too much (laughs) we're intense because we share as soon as you meet us right and it could be a lot for people because a lot of trust has to come first for a lot of people and that makes a ton of sense because like you said there's a lot of fear of judgment however when you know where you've been it's like fuck all of that shit okay (laughs) I'm not doing it anymore I'm going to be honest and I'm going to be real and whoever can receive it can receive it often there are people that are going through dark times or have experienced things that are talking about them that we don't know about and we've talked about this before the giving people grace because you never know what's going on with them And she actually talked about her son and how there's an assumption that he looks a certain way, he's good at sports, he's good at school, that he's got a good. And the truth is, like, he's got his story, right, this experience that he is 
carrying and growing through as a child. And so, again, it doesn't have to be a child. Adults are the same. But showing each other grace in that we don't know what someone else has experienced or is currently experiencing. Now that Kevin's older, he was four when his dad passed, a month before he was turning five, we did not talk about how he died. He only knew that his dad hurt himself. And once he did, I don't want to say find out, but once we had that conversation, it was very, very hard. And when you sit and look at your four-year-old and tell them that their daddy died, I never wanted to see that pain again. And so everything in life, I spoil him too much. I hardly tell him no because I've seen that disappointment. And the summer when I was home, he was happy. I love seeing him happy. I love seeing him smile. And we share so much. And when I write and people respond, even a teammate's dad reached out. Well, actually, his wife reached out first. I had no clue. I'm kind of being judgy towards this couple. Like, you know, why are they so hard on Kevin? Or why are they like he messed up in football? And why so hard? He's been through so much. Can't you just love him and like maybe take him under your wing and show him what to do? And by sharing what I've shared, they had their own struggles, exactly the same as what we had gone through. And I want Kevin to see that I'm strong and that when I write, it's to help people. And when they reach out, it makes me feel good. And now we have conversations like, Mom, you're finally sharing and you're talking about things and you're helping other people and you, know, you should keep doing that. And I just want him to be proud. And my career at Thompson Hine, I think he's proud that I've been a place for so long, but I don't think he's proud of what I really do. I don't know. Maybe he is, but I just, I want to do something different that is more meaningful. And this past year by sharing, I feel like our relationship has gotten even closer and we're pretty close. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a good thing. And then she also talked about the impact that her healing is having on her family on her son, on her stepson, on her parents, and that breaking of the cycle. And there are times where your loved ones, your family, your friends, your best friend knows exactly what you've gone through, and they leave anyways. That's even harder. So when that happens, how do you deal with that? Well, you do a lot of internal work. You figure out why it bothers you, why it triggers you, you have to realize that when anyone acts out or projects or judges, it's because they're going through their own issues or struggles or, or whatever it may be. And as hard as that was to look back, it's hard to be judged and know that that person actually has their own struggles, but they don't work on them. I'm the one that has all the issues. You need to let go of the past. You need to stop dwelling. And the conversation that we had trying to rekindle our friendship you didn't walk in and find your husband. I'm not dwelling. I am trying to heal. And it's very hard when you feel like you're doing it alone. This healing journey definitely feels alone, even when you know there are other people out there. I have my whole entire family. But the healing journey that I'm on now, not just healing for my husband, healing from childhood, one reason why I do write about it is because I can't talk to my mom. My dad's not here anymore. I can't talk to my sister with the things that are going on in her life, the patterns that I now see as I'm older and working on my own healing journey. If I write about it and they read it and people comment that I'm helping, then I think they will look back and be like, oh, well, maybe it's not so bad that she's sharing her childhood trauma. It was hard for my mom. She's taken offense to a few things. And I just say, mom, it's not about you. 
It's about me and healing and wanting to make a difference and make a change. And the thing that sticks out most and the thing that came out this past year by letting go, starting over, meant going through all the letters that my husband wrote. Now, that, I haven't gotten rid of all those. That's, I've gotten rid of a lot of stuff, but that's my last thing. Reading a letter that he wrote while he was in therapy, he was you know, in the hospital for a month in recovery, and he said, Krista, we don't have to be a product you know, of our environment we can make the change. You know, he grew up with a father who was an alcoholic. There was anxiety and and the things that ran in his family. His father was abusive. I don't know a lot of the details. I only know a little. But my passion and what I really want to do and what I'm going to do is to stop it with my family, with me and my son and my stepson, that we are going to be the change in our family and we don't have to be the product of our environment. We can make the change. We don't have to have those same patterns. We just have to work really hard to make sure that we understand it and we stay together and always love and support each other no matter what we're going through. Really taking that to heart. We don't have to be what we've been. We can change. And when we do, we impact those around us. I think that's super powerful to just like let that marinate for a lot of people because we can definitely change. And it does start with somebody in the family. It takes that one person to be brave, to step out of the norm and to say enough is enough and I need a change. And then I think sticking to even stumbling while you're doing it, because I think it's a new experience. Like we don't know what's to come. We're just kind of figuring it out as we go. But like stumbling through it, though, and allowing people to see us stumble through it, I think also is what normalizes it. Because I think a lot of times when we talk about the work and we talk about healing and all this stuff, people are like, what does that even mean? What does that even look like? I'm already struggling. What do you mean? So I think showing people the very authenticity of like the healing journey and that is not easy also brings them more into the fold and I think encourages them to like go on their own healing journey. They see the example first and then they see that, oh, they're stumbling too. I just commend Krista for like stepping into her healing journey when she was ready and being able to be that light for all the people that are around her and to be so brave to share the journey as she's going through it. I asked her what advice that she would give to other people who have experienced losing a loved one to suicide. Do the work. Heal. Embrace it. Don't avoid like I did. It's still going to be there. 13 years later, it's still there. It's, it's never going to go away. It gets easier. Don't think it's your fault. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't my fault. There were things that I couldn't fix, things that I couldn't control. I think maybe just taking some time to think about what that person was going through. Sometimes we don't know. In my case, I did know. And just know that it's not your fault. Never blame yourself. Know that you did the best that you could. And just love yourself. That's the most important thing for me is I didn't love myself after he died. And if you don't love yourself, you're never going to be able to love anyone else. Then you'll be alone forever. <laughs> I don't want to be alone. I said I did. I'm like, I'm not getting married ever again. But life's not made to be alone. How about what would you say to those who are struggling with the idea of leaving? I think that's hard because I write it all the time. I post it all the time. Reach out if you need help. Call a loved one. When you're in a dark place, it's hard to do. I would just say don't lose hope. 
things will get better. They might not be the way that they were before. Your family will still love you. I mean, Scott wrote to me, like, you know, we might not have what we have, but we're not going to live in a shack. I'll always take care of you. And just know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Things will get better. It might be dark for a long time, even for me, who I've never struggled with wanting to take my own life, but I felt like my life was over. It takes time, but there will be light. Do you have any tips or tools or encouragement for people who are on their healing journey that you'd like to talk about or encourage people? I think I shared something about this as well. I post all the time, I'm doing the work, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I have the means to do things and research, Google. There's so many things that are online that are free, yoga, meditation, library has books if you want to read. Find a group of friends that you can talk to and feel safe. Just find ways. They're out there. You just have to look. You might feel like this is expensive and you can't do a workshop or what have you. You can find the tools. Which is like, what a huge thing to carry. We often, I mean, it's kind of human nature to want to take on the responsibility of those that we love, whether it's a partner or a child or a parent, and to create their happiness. But we don't have that power. We can only create our own happiness. And so really knowing that, understanding that deeply, that it is not our responsibility, it is not our fault, that's huge. That's a huge, impactful piece of advice. I agree. I think that um, we can only control ourselves and how we show up. And that grace, we just got to keep bringing it up because I think that that is going to be the consistent message throughout like this whole podcast and with every conversation is we just have to step into the practice of having grace with ourselves and with others because that is how we kind of like relieve ourselves from the burden of carrying all of our stuff on our own and the stuff of other people. It's a beautiful thing to hear when people realize those lessons of it's not your fault and that's something that you have to let go, but you have to still heal through it and process through it and actually go through the grieving process, right? It's not your fault, but you got to process this. So I wanted to end quickly on, I asked her about the good stuff, right? So this journey, this process, especially processing through childhood and feelings of abandonment and all that kind of stuff can be difficult. But there's also beauty in doing the work. And she said that one day everything's fine and it doesn't feel normal, but it's a really good feeling. It's good when you have people in your life that love and support you and you have good intentions and you don't expect anything in return. It feels really good. And what a beautiful picture to be loved and accepted and at the same time not have expectations for what other people are supposed to be or you know what you're going to get in return for 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 posting on Facebook for sharing your story just doing it because it is what you feel called to do yeah I, I also found it very interesting that the idea that it doesn't feel normal like one day everything's great and it doesn't feel normal which is um I can definitely relate to that you're doing the work and it feels like, oh my gosh, when are we going to? And then one day you're like, wow, this is my life now. Yeah, I agree. It's beautiful. It is. It's so beautiful. It is. It's just like, I think for, for me, it's, I'm in this constant state of not knowing. 
It's like, I don't know. I'm comfortable in the not knowing now. Because it's just like that is the journey. There's no control. We don't control it. Today will look very different than tomorrow sometimes. And it's just like, oh, you get into this practice of saying, this is all a part of the journey. This is all a part of this process. This is all a part of what needs to be happening in order for me to heal myself and to become better and to become my whole self. And it is, it's just like, it's nothing that we've ever experienced. We're not the experts in it. And I think that's something that, again, in our American society is that, you know, everybody's an expert in something, but not this. We're, I mean, even now we have this podcast, but we're not the experts in this. We're just sharing our journeys and creating the space for other people to share theirs just so that we can say, hey, we welcome you to go on it with us and know that you're not alone. And we don't know what the hell this shit's going to look like, but we here with you. <laughs> we're going through it, too. And it's not so bad. It's not easy, but it's not so bad. It becomes every day. The more that you surrender, it becomes beautiful and rewarding. And so, like, you have this gratitude for being here in this moment. I think I'm an expert in, in only one thing, and that thing is me. Being me and the most authentic version of me every day. And that's it. I, I'm open to sharing what I've experienced, but it's going to be completely different than what someone else experienced. And yet, we all feel similar emotions, tides and tears, <laughs> transformation. I mean, we are we are all human having this, this human experience, and yet the specifics are different for each and every one of us. And so how beautiful is that, that, that we are the expert in our own lives, and yet they are, we are all connected by this thread of similar emotional responses and experiences and we get to walk together fellow travelers on this journey thank you for joining us today for our podcast tears tides and transformation a podcast about healing we hope that you heard some things today that help you on your healing journey to help you to understand and to see that we are in this together. We are all having this human experience on this planet at the same time and can appreciate the beauty of that. We are so glad that you joined us today and we hope that you join us next time. I am Bridget Flaherty. I am Kiana and it is always a pleasure to share in community with you guys. I see new I see new tides carry on through the years, transform through the tears, the audacity of you going through it all, the audacity of you trusting self all along. I see